Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 43 of Intuitive Bites Podcast. For the show today, I'm chatting with Jennifer McGurk, who is a registered dietitian in private practice who specializes in eating disorders. And we are talking about binge eating disorder, which is something that I've definitely kind of skirted around um, in terms of a topic uh, on other episodes of the show. But I really wanted to dedicate some time with Jennifer to talking about this topic, talking about what binge eating is, what it's not, and really breaking down the misconceptions around this disorder. Um, so Jennifer does a really great job of guiding us through that and sharing a lot of awesome, awesome wisdom. So I'm excited to share this episode with you guys. I think you'll be really, really interested to hear about it, um, especially just kind of considering the nuances between binge eating and overeating um, and kind of just some of the guiding factors of, of both of those behaviors. Um, so... Before I share that with you, I also wanted to let you guys know that um, Brie Campos and I, who you may know as Body Image with Brie on Instagram, uh, hosted our Intuitive Eating and Body Image workshop. Um, I believe it was last weekend, Um, but we are offering the recording, a copy of the recording um, for purchase. So you can go onto my Instagram, click the link in my bio, and you'll find a link to to register to get that. Um, So if you're interested in that, it's a three-hour recording, um, tons and tons of stuff packed into there, all related to, you know, the intuitive eating principles and just kind of really core concepts related to body image and kind of that process of beginning to heal that relationship with your body. Um, so definitely check that out if it sounds interesting to you. Also, if you have a moment and you haven't already um, taken a moment to <laughs> to leave a rating or review on iTunes for the podcast, um, that would be super greatly appreciated. So um, even if you just click on the stars and let me know what you think of the podcast or take a moment to write a quick review on it, that would be awesome. So I just wanted to throw that in there if you haven't already taken that that moment to do so. So before uh, I ramble on forever, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Jennifer. All right, Jennifer. So I would love if you just took a moment before we dive in to introduce yourself and a little bit about the work that you do. Yes. Hi. So thank you so much, Kirsten, for having me. I'm a huge fan of your show. So I am a registered dietitian nutritionist that specializes in eating disorder recovery. My practice is in Nyack, New York, which is 45 minutes north of New York City. Um, so I know you, you know, from the online space and then also a little bit locally, which is yeah. great. <laughs> And from there, I have grown another business called Pursuing Private Practice, which really helps other dietitians and healthcare professionals build an intuitive eating private practice, which is Mm -hmm. also something that I'm just really passionate about because from my experience with counseling clients, I've also learned that I love supervising and helping other dietitians do the same. That is so awesome. Yeah, I've seen a lot about your your dietitian business aspect. I get your emails. So that's that's super awesome. Uh, but I'm super excited to ask you a lot more today about 
um, specifically about like your eating disorder experience. And, you know, you and I chatted about kind of focusing on binge eating disorder, um, which is something that I feel like is talked about a lot in this space, but like, I really want to get like down to the nitty gritty and ask you the good questions. So I would love Jennifer, if you just would take a second to answer the question, like what is binge eating disorder? What is binge eating? What does that really mean? Yeah. So thank you so much for bringing this topic to your podcast because it is so important for people to understand that binge eating disorder is an eating disorder. I think a lot of times people say like, oh, I'm an emotional eater. Oh, I just, you know, I overeat all the time, but it's not really that problematic. And I just, my passion is to really help people understand that eating disorders are something that are treatable. Like we can get help for eating disorders and we can feel much better about the way that they eat. My, my whole mission in business is to help clients feel fabulous about food. So I really do want to make sure that people understand that there is help out there for eating disorders, there's support, and that they doesn't have to be like this if they're stuck in a cycle that's not working for them. So yes, there are so many differences between, you know, just plain old overeating and then binge eating disorder. So binge eating disorder is actually relatively new. It used to be under the eating disorder, not otherwise specified. And if you guys could see us, you could see that I'm making quotes with my hands. Binge eating disorder was not its own thing, even just five years ago. So it is relatively new to the DSM-5, which is basically what we use to diagnose, you know, a lot of things in terms of mental disorders. But Binging disorder is an eating disorder in and of itself, and is really important to understand that it's different than other eating disorders. It's not just emotional eating, or it's not just bulimia. It really is its own special thing with a set of criteria, and I can link this in the show notes. But basically, it's overeating to the point of feeling really shameful, feeling really full. A lot of times, we overeat fast and in secret, and we don't tell people what exactly is going on with our eating habits because we are just really embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself starts a cycle of binge eating because a lot of times people want to erase what they've done. So they end up restricting the next day or the next meal or whatever it may be. And the cycle just goes on and on and on. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I feel like I've heard about it talked about in terms of like binge eating is kind of can be classified by this like feeling of like loss of control around food and I know that like the DSM-5 like classifications have like specific like this it might actually correct me if I'm wrong but have like specific like amounts of food or something like is it like that or but it's not really I'd love to hear your your input on that yes so you bring up a really good point so unfortunately fortunately like in the same breath it is subjective so we can't necessarily say like this many calories this amount of food feeling this particular way without of control but basically what it says is that it is a large amount of food in a chaotic type of eating pattern feeling a loss of control. So that to someone could mean one particular set of foods over here and in this type of way. And then in another setting to another person, it could be this type of food in this particular way. And even though they look very different, they could both be classified as binge eating disorder. Yeah. So now you're, you're touching on another thing I wanted to ask you, which is basically around the, you know, the idea of like, what are some of the misconceptions around binge eating, but also you touched on like body size, I think. So I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on that too. Yes. Yes. So number one, anyone of any body size could struggle with binge eating disorder. I think a lot of times we automatically stereotype people in larger bodies struggling with binge eating disorder. And yes, there are some statistics out there that say people seeking weight loss treatment do struggle with binge eating disorder. There's actually one statistic that says 
30% of clients that are seeking weight loss interventions are struggling with binge eating disorder. And then there was a statistic and unfortunately I tried to include it in a publication I wrote, but I could not find the actual reference. So this may or may not be hundred percent true, but 70% of people that struggle that want to get bariatric surgery struggle with binging disorder. So we do know that people with weight concerns do struggle with binging disorder, but we don't exactly know how many people without weight concerns struggle with binging disorder because we know that that exists as well. People of all different sizes and shapes can have disordered eating and eating disorders. That's super interesting considering um, the amount of people in our country who are pursuing weight loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's like speaking to a lot of people. And it's interesting you touched on the bariatric surgery because I I, my first job as a dietitian was in a bariatric surgery clinic. So whenever I hear that, yeah, it's just very interesting to me because I did see, you know, people struggling with this. Um, Okay. So interesting. So what would you say? I mean, I I guess you kind of touched on some of the misconceptions, but anything else you can speak to with misconceptions around binge eating? Yeah. I think one of the major ones is that it's not just overeating with no willpower. I think a lot of people think that that's what binge eating is, and it really isn't. It has a lot to do with mental, physical, emotional well-being. It has a lot to do with, it's like almost like a coping skill for people that's kind of gone wrong in a sense. So it just doesn't develop out of nowhere and doesn't develop because of a lack of willpower for whatever reason. It really is its own thing that deserves its own spotlight, its own treatment. And the role of a registered dietitian in the treatment of binge eating disorder is so vital. And usually sometimes we're the ones speaking as RDs, we're the ones that will see it first. A lot of times people will seek out the advice and help of a registered dietitian without even knowing that they have binge eating disorder. So it is important for all RDs to recognize that we should ask those tough questions to people. And we should ask questions that really get people to open up about their relationship with food, because we sometimes are the detectives that find out the information before anyone else. So what are a couple good, like screening questions that you would recommend? Yeah. So number one, I would always say, how do you feel about your relationship with food? I would ask that question in terms of the emotional aspect of it, physical aspect, mental aspect of it. Like, how do you feel around food? And usually a red flag is out of control, you know, chaotic eating, you know, feeling negative about certain things or feeling obsessive about food like that. Those to me are all answers that will warrant a further explanation and some more detailed questions from me. Um, My supervisor, Jessica Setnick says the number one question to ask people is, do you eat differently when you're alone? I think interesting. Yeah. Another really good question because usually there's a problem if someone is eating differently when they're alone versus other people, because that will get to some of like the social interactions and the anxiety and the feelings around food. Um, And then really honestly, do you eat any differently when you overeat? is a good question to ask too, because overeating is very normal. I don't want to put overeating in the same category as binge eating disorder. We all go to parties all the time. We have extra dessert all the time. Like we will have an extra snack, totally normal overeating in yeah. quotes at that point, because we're just experiencing emotional eating in the sense that it's great for our health. You know, yeah. an extra bag of potato chips or an extra ice cream here or there is not going to do anything to anyone's health. But binge eating disorder sometimes can really play a role mm-hmm. in the quality of health for people, meaning decreasing it. And that's where we can come in as helping that person live the best life that they possibly can. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny, even the word overeating to me, I find myself steering myself away from that, even though I don't even like 
I'm not, not even purposely, but I feel like it has a connotation and it's like, so I feel like I find myself trying to focus on like what it feels like more. Like how often do you, you know, eat to a point of like feeling kind of uncomfortable, or like eating past a little bit past fullness, you know, something like that. Oh yeah. No, I think the language that we use is really important and I'm still learning every single day ways to say things better as I'm sure a lot of people are, oh, yeah. but I just asking someone, what is your definition of overeating? How do you feel when I say the word overeating? Like, that's a great, that's a great thing to actually ask somebody because you're right. Like there really is no definition of some of these words. I feel like we have to all take it. What it means to our client is the best possible thing that we can ask. Yeah, absolutely. So what, how can someone, if someone's kind of listening to this and they're like, okay, yes, like I have that chaotic eating, I feel out of control, I eat differently in private or whatever. Um, what are some of the ways that you would recommend that person begin to heal their relationship to food and, and heal that binge eating? Yes. I love this question. So first of all, I think there's lots of different things that you can do depending on what the reason is for binge eating, because sometimes it can be nutrition. Sometimes it can be emotional. Sometimes it can be a coping skill. So you almost have to figure out the trigger for binge eating. And this is where I love to work with clients because every client is so different with different needs. But in terms of the role that I play, a lot of times what I see in my practice are people that will eat like a really light breakfast if they eat breakfast at all, because they're so full from the night before if they've binged, they might have something for lunch or something as a snack because they're really just not physically hungry yet. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the three o'clock hour will roll by and that's when I'll start to see binges happen for a lot of people. So basically it's like almost no food during the day and then a lot of food afternoon, evening, nighttime. Yeah. So sometimes the very first strategy that I have with people is to say, okay, well, it seems like your intake is a lot more afternoon night. Can we put some of that into the morning? You know, can we put some of that into lunch and really making a meal plan that is not a diet whatsoever because yeah. meal plans are flexible, but making a meal plan that will really help someone get in the nutrition that they need in order to have their metabolism work, their hormones work, like their bodies work. And that's the power of nutrition, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's so interesting you say that because I feel like this is some, a pattern I've seen with lots of different types of clients, you know, in the work that I've done is that, um, you know, is the kind of not eating in the morning, kind of pushing things off. And I've read things about, and I really want to look more into the research around like the hormonal differences throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Because I think for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, like it's quote unquote easier to not eat earlier in the day, not even related to binging the night before, but maybe just like, you know, that's just kind of the way the hormones are. And then as the day goes on in the afternoon and evening, sometimes we find ourselves like eating more and getting cravings for certain things. And that's not necessarily pathological. It just is like differences in hormones throughout the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think our bodies tell such a unique scientific story <laughs> when we think about it. We all have, di I mean, different lives. People sleep different times during the day. People have cravings of things during different times of the day. And we all have to figure out what works for us. But absolutely, if you want to make a change, if you're not happy with the way that things are, I think it's absolutely okay to say like, okay, why is this binging happening? And what can I do to make myself feel better about my relationship with food? Yeah. And you know, another thing I think is interesting about what you said is like, you're talking about, okay, like you notice this pattern, like working on getting more nutrition a little bit earlier in the day. And I think it's interesting because I feel like the most common um, 
like, I don't know, way that people go about dealing with binge eating on their own or like overeating or whatever they're kind of uh, classifying it as is by like saying like, oh, like I eat a lot of this food when I have it around. So like, let me keep like keep away from that food or let me like force myself like white knuckle to only eat this portion size at dinner. You know what I mean? So people like to solve, and again in quotes, solve (laughs) binge eating by dieting. And it just furthers the binge eating cycle. And I have a really great graphic. I can send you it. Totally fine for you to link it to the, in the show notes. Maybe we'll just put it on a random webpage or something. But I love the binge eating cycle graphic where the diet part is at the top and then some sort of trigger happens. Like, so obviously dieting leads to less intake of food, like not eating enough. Some sort of trigger happens. And that's the emotional part. That's where someone might have a bad day trauma, you know, stress, any type of loneliness, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be, that trigger will cause a binge eating episode. And then people feel bad about it. They feel shameful. So they think they have to start over, which leads to the diet again. So showing someone that graphic is so powerful because I've had so many people say, uh, that's me. (laughs) And then we can talk about the binge eating cycle. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely know that that, that's so relatable. And I think it's interesting because that makes me think of like on a larger scale, like when people are dieting and even for if they are able to like go for a little while doing it, like, and then something happens, some event, some trauma or like some life event or some stress occurs or some emotional thing happens and they go off the diet and whatever, maybe they binge or whatever, they just go off the diet and automatically like diet culture and like the culture around us is very quick to be like, well, you didn't try hard enough to stay on it. But in reality, like we are human, we are living lives. Events come up. If you can't stay on, if you can't eat like the way you've been eating when an event comes up, then, you know, that's not sustainable. (laughs) It's totally unrealistic. Like the first thing I think of course is like the keto diet. You know, if you're going to go to (laughs) a wedding celebration and you're not going to have any wedding cake because you're on the keto diet, I can almost guarantee you that, I mean, maybe not all, maybe 80% of people, because that's kind of the statistic with when it comes to intentional weight loss, like 80% to 95% fail. So it's almost like 80% of the time, like you're not going to be able to not eat the wedding cake. So why not enjoy the cake? and have it as part of a lifestyle. And I don't mean that in terms of healthy lifestyle, modification, not what I mean, but have it in part of like a way that really feels good. Like living intuitively. I feel like when you eat intuitively, you live intuitively. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. That makes me think of just the fact that like, you know, we start this intuitive eating thing as to impact our relationship to food, but it just totally like rebounds out to your entire life. So I love when you you say live intuitively. Yes. Um, So I'd like to wrap up with another question, basically just asking you to speak to the person who this episode is totally calling to, like, what would be your recommendation for them if they're feeling, again, really chaotic in their eating? Um, What's important for them to know, do you think, right now? Yes. Okay. So treatment works. I feel like that is a message that I want to get out there for everybody. And intuitive eating coaching and intuitive eating support is really like the gray area of eating disorder recovery. I really feel like most people want to learn about intuitive eating because they have some sort of like disordered eating relationship with food. So if you are struggling with an eating disorder and you love intuitive eating, like I want you to know eating disorder treatment is a very much rooted in the principles of intuitive eating and health at every size and a weight inclusive approach 
approach. Like eating disorder treatment is meant to help you live your life to the very fullest that you should live. Mm -hmm. And that includes the support of a dietitian, a therapist, a medical provider to make sure that you have a really good treatment team set up for eating disorder treatment. So eating disorder treatment looks different for every single person because it really depends on where they're at, but it really will focus on why the eating disorder developed in the first place. Eating disorders just don't happen out of the thin air. You know, they really are developed in the first place by lots of different reasons, Mm. but we'll focus on why it's there, what it's doing for you in terms of it developed because of something it's protective in some way. So we want to find out what it's doing for you because we want to give you the tools, the resources, the skills, the coping abilities to actually do that thing in your life. So you don't need the eating disorder as much anymore. And then once you let go of the eating disorder, that's when you really start figuring out like, what kind of life do you want to live? Like what kind of life does this look like? Because that's the beautiful part of eating disorder treatment is that managing the ups and downs, people are so resilient and they really can come out into recovery on the other side, living a life that they're really just meant to live. And it's such a beautiful thing to go on that journey with clients. Mm -hmm. So I just recommend like reach out, get support. You know, you don't have to start with all three people on your team, but either your doctor, your dietitian, therapist, you know, find someone, Google someone in your area, see someone virtually, you know, get that, that first call is so overwhelming sometimes, but it is so worth it. That's so helpful. And do you have recommendations for like, if someone wants to, I mean, obviously, do you work virtually? No. So my practice is set up to take people in New York and New Jersey, just because Alyssa, who's my associate dietitian, we're licensed in the state of New York and New Jersey, although New York doesn't have licensure. That's a whole nother topic for registered dietitians. But I like when people can at least see me once in the office so I can meet them face to face. And then if they live an hour or two away, I will set up virtual sessions with them, but I really do like to see some per- some people in the office at least okay. once at the beginning and then check in every month to two months to three months. So, you know, okay. if you're in Rochester, New York, that might not work for you, but if you're in Albany, you know, a two hour version yeah. sometimes can work every three months or so. So that's it's how funny, we do it. It's funny, say, it's funny you say Albany cause I'm from Albany originally. So I'm like, <laughs> that was, <a> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, do you have like a recommendation for other resources? Like, is there like, you know, a list people can go to, to find providers that work virtually or, or whatever in person? Yes. So my supervisor, Jessica Setnick is one of the co-founding, uh, not co-founding members, but she founded, co-founded with April Winslow, the International Federation of Eating Disorder Dietitians. So there is a great section on that website to find an eating disorder dietitian. And she has a list. I, I don't, I think it's updated in terms of where people are virtually state by state, because there are some laws and there, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't exactly say the interpretation of the law with like medical nutrition therapy and registered dietitians, but there are some people that will see virtual people from a state by state basis. So that's important to know if you're in one of those states that has licensure, but there are lots of options out there for virtual people. So that's a great resource. IADEP is another really good resource. They have the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. They have a lot of really great things on their website to find people. And then just plain old listservs sometimes. Like if you contact someone, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of times that someone from California has contacted me because they heard me on a podcast yeah. and I'm like, let me get you a name. Like yeah. I'll Google my listserv and I'll get you a name. So just even reaching out to somebody in this field, I find that we're so compassionate. We're really ready to help 
as many clients as we can, even if it's not us. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And Jennifer, I'd love for you to also just like, you know, plug where people can find you and any other resources or things that you have going on that might be able to help people right now. Yeah. So actually on my website, eat with knowledge, I do have a freebie that is the five reasons why you binge eat. Cause I do try to help clients from a virtual point of view with, I have an online course, but I can't, you know, like I said, I can't see people virtually, but I do have that opt-in, which is a great resource for people if they're interested. And I can send you the link to Kirsten yeah. in the show notes. And I do have the course feel fabulous about food, which is an online course for anyone struggling with binge eating and wants to learn more about intuitive eating. But my like heart and soul is really in the resources for professionals. So I have pursuing private practice, which is the business that I've built to help other dietitians build an intuitive eating private practice. So that is at pursuingprivatepractice.com. Okay. And I forget, did you mention your Instagram? What's your Instagram? Oh, Jennifer McGurk RDN. Thank awesome. You, you can find me on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's like my favorite place to me hang too. out. <laughs> me too, all the time. Well, thank you again so much, Jennifer. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Guys, that is a wrap on the episode for this week. I hope you got a lot out of the conversation about binge eating. And like Jennifer said, you can find her at her website, eatwithknowledge.com, and you can get a hold of her course that she mentioned there as well. Or if you're a professional or registered dietitian who's interested in her resources for professionals, um, you can go to pursuingprivatepractice.com. And you can find Jennifer on Instagram at Jennifer McGurk RDN. So definitely check her out there as well. I hope you guys have an awesome week if you're listening to this as I'm releasing it and I will chat with you soon.